0: So somehow this past week, I'm not quite sure how, uh, you know, records from earlier this past week are kind of lost in the midst of time, so are not sure how it happened, but somehow I found myself watching one of those celebrity TV shows. <laughs> I don't do that very often. It was like Access Hollywood. And they were talking about uh, this thing that maybe you've heard about before, this uh, detoxification Yeah, okay, so some of you do that, and from time to time, I kind of, you know, bring an extra level of mindfulness to what I'm eating and the energy in my life, and uh, this was about a specific kind of detoxification, if you are a uh, seven-figure-per-movie-earning-movie star, Um, and there's this place out in the hills of Southern California where you can go, and it's interesting, as they listed off all the ingredients, I thought, wow, this sounds wonderful, we all could use this, right? So, you know, every day there's yoga. Good. Every day there's, um, I think it was 1,400 calories restricted diet, but made up of all organic vegan food grown right there on the grounds of this retreat center, this spa. Good. Every day you have a scheduled nap. Oh, my God, what would it be like if there was a nap scheduled? By the way, cultures that actually have a siesta, those are the elevated and advanced cultures. They recognize the necessity of the nap. This, you know, Protestant work ethic nonsense stuff. we got to question that. And so, yeah, all these individual wonderful elements. Well, they could all be yours for the price of only uh, $7,500 per week. And at the end of the interview, which, again, for some reason I stuck with, um, <laughs> uh, they, they interviewed one of these stars. I think it was Mandy Moore, who actually I'm, I think is a pretty good actress, and she used to be married to Ryan Adams, who's like one of my, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, she's like pretty cool. And, and she had this glow, this look about her, and she said, I am, I am totally renewed I'm totally renewed. And I thought, if it takes that threshold and it takes that price to be renewed, and this is the image that's being conveyed to us, maybe we see the same image when we're, you know, if we go to Whole Foods and we see all the images there of the yoga and lifestyle magazines and everyone looks perfect and happy and they haven't had a pimple in 25 years and everyone looks totally fine. If that's the threshold for renewal, the rest of us are totally screwed, right? (laughs) There's something about that, this, this access being, you know, it, it's like we don't, we don't qualify somehow. And so today, as I bring this Renew message series to a close that Reverend Lee and I have been doing since mid-September, I wanted to share a different image of renewal and what renewal can look like. As so many of us celebrated so deeply last week when we were together over in the gym and took that opportunity to do that, Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, the real meaning of Halloween, All Souls Day, and we took that time to grieve collectively. We Remember, there's profound opportunity for renewal for all of us, regardless of how old we are, regardless of where we are in our lives, when we face the basic truth of who we are. And so in finishing this Renew message series today, I wanted to kind of bring it back home. Bring it back to the heart, and even more specifically, bring it back here to our bodies, to this very moment. The truth about us, about you know, many of us, most of us, and from what I can tell, all you folks here, I've talked with a lot of you. We got these great, big, wonderful, imaginative brains, don't we? <laughs> and they can do some incredible things. Calculations and constructing worlds and living imaginatively. And that's really, really cool part about who we are. And those big, active, sometimes overactive brains, well, they can be unhappy time travelers too, right? Space travelers. Many of us can spend, if not the majority of our lives, a significant part of our lives time traveling to things that have already happened time-traveling in the future to things that we think are going to happen, very often with a sense of guilt or shame or fear or I could have or I should have and why didn't I and raking ourselves over the coals and then looking forward with a sense of escape or a sense of fear to what's going to happen. And the truth is our time-traveling minds can totally, totally snare us. Allow us to miss the only place in which renewal can really happen, which is right here. And right now and with these bodies these imperfect beautiful bodies we all have see uh, if any of you recognize this i'll put one hand up i forget that I'll, i'll put two hands up for for this just to let you know where i'm coming from i have the habits of a ruminating brain any of you maybe have the habits of a ruminator? Okay, I see a bunch of hands up here. I am likely to go over and over and over in my life thinking if I can just find the detail, I will solve this detective story and everything will turn out fine, happy ending. And my ruminating brain also likes to live my life before I've actually ever lived it. Now, here's the great thing at this point in my life, and especially the last decade plus of my life, is I actually now can recognize a ruminating brain when it shows up. For decades, I just kind of followed this ruminating brain wherever it went. And as a result, missed most of my life in a meaningful way. So there's one thing that really helps me when I recognize this ruminating brain. It's simple, but I miss it all the time, and maybe you miss it all the time, too. I actually have a body. (laughs) Like I have toes, and I have fingers, and I have feet, and I'm breathing. I have a body. Huh. Which is one of the reasons that when I have weeks, like I sometimes do, I've been honest and open from this pulpit before. Depression is part of my life. Fortunately, it is not acute. And it still expresses itself in this tendency of that ruminating brain. And you know what? Just recognizing a ruminating brain doesn't make it go away. (laughs) So it's moments like this where I pull out one of my best friends, one of my best friends who's not a person, which is my yoga mat. (laughs) And I get my butt down onto that yoga mat and I feel that I have a body. An awareness. An appreciative awareness. The truth is, is when I am behaving mindlessly there's always one thing I have forgotten. Over and over and over again, it's absolutely true. When I am behaving mindlessly, there's always one thing I've forgotten, that I have a body. And remembering I have a body brings me back and wakes me up. It helps me remember however I'm feeling that here I am. I mean, so far today, Maybe your body has time traveled away from here, excuse me, your mind has time traveled away from here eight times, ten times, fifteen times, maybe it's calling attention to it right now. You're like, oh, I was in Paris in 1922. Good place to be, you know, uh, or, you know, maybe with Schenectady in 1977, maybe a little less, uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with Schenectady, folks. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing, great way to come back, feel yourself seated right here. This breath, this moment, this is really the only moment we're guaranteed, absolutely. This is how we're here. I love that in the, in the Jewish scriptures there's this particular phrase, this question that God poses. It uh, shows up in like the life of um, uh, Abraham, a whole bunch of the, like the, the big names in the Hebrew scriptures. And again, this is not my understanding or experience of God, so I don't think this is literally true, but the inner truth is absolutely true. It's one of the truest things I know. God, who is understood to be omniscient and omnipresent and all-powerful, asks a question that theoretically isn't God already supposed to know the answer to. (laughs) Where are you? Like, you know, playing within that story, playing with the rules according to that story. Shouldn't God already know that? And yet, all the people... Then the Hebrew scriptures God is interacting with, who get asked that question, respond, inengi, in the Hebrew, here I am. The logic of the story is actually, I think, that God already knows, according to that story at least. God wants us to know that we're here. (laughs) That's what the story is about. That the invitation coming from this universe is, are we here? That's what makes all the difference. Not in some disembodied way, not in some philosophical way, not in some metaphysical way. There are all kinds of religious and spiritual schemes to escape. Come back here. And to come back home is to give our answer to what uh, Richard Rohr, the wonderful Catholic contemplative, says. And he comes from a tradition that has a really specific teaching about the afterlife. He says that the core spiritual question of our time is not, is there life after death? The core question of our time, is there life before death? And that is true for all of us. And it's a question we can only answer. It's a question we can only renew if we learn to come back home to here. There are so many reasons, so many reasons that I have absolutely no judgment of for why sometimes we are not here. Sometimes it has to do with great pain. Sometimes it has to do with great stuckness. Sometimes it has to do with trauma. Sometimes it has to do because our lives have just simply been difficult. So some of you know the name uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Yeah, one of the most powerful things. I've read the Atlantic Magazine about a year and a half, two years ago called The Case for Reparations, making a very specific, from my perspective, airtight case for the fact that black Americans have always been treated different and been treated less. He also wrote a book, a book called Between the World and Me, that are his life instructions handing off to his son, 15-year-old son Samori, letting him know both the perils and promises of Ta-Nehisi's life as his dad and also wishing for ways that his son would thrive as all loving parents wish their children to thrive and in the context of recognizing that he lives in a black body in a society that I'm not talking individually folks please recognize sometimes those of us with white skin we get so defensive and no that's not true of me that's not no please we live in this culture what ta asks us is please let go of our white fragility and embrace the capacity for white vulnerability of recognizing deep, difficult truths about the society that if we recognize them, we may actually finally be able to heal from things that have dogged us for centuries and have been centuries in the making. The passage I'm going to read to you is actually less po- po- polemic than poetry of the heart. And it's Ta-Nehisi talking to his son, who's 15 and is about at that age where pretty soon he's going to be leaving home, you know, or maybe he'll be going to college soon. And the author writes: We are entering our last years together. And this next line, wow, this, this gets me. And I wish I had been softer with you. Your mother had to teach me how to love you about to kiss you and tell you i love you every night even now it does not feel like a holy natural act so much as it feels like a rit- ritual and that is because i am wounded that is because i am tied to old ways which i learned in a hard house it was a loving house though even as it was besieged by its own country but it was hard I gotta tell you my life experience is not Coates' experience. And as a man in this culture, I recognize that. All the ways in which masculinity gets frozen by the image of invulnerability or strength. And all the ways in which many of us as men are walking around pretty damn wounded. Hardening our hearts and hardening ourselves and not being able to reach out to those people who are in fact there for us each other to harden the heart and is missing life and what I also love about this passage is notice how physical it is that love is expressed with the body there is no such thing as the abstraction of love that is still love it doesn't exist It's one of the reasons that I love in the Christian scriptures where they talk about the signs of the Holy Spirit. They talk about a whole bunch of virtues. They talk about love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and generosity. And I would ask you, how do we know that love and peace and joy and kindness and generosity show up in our lives? They show up between our bodies. Taking away those interpositions between the world and you and me. And helping us remember just what we celebrate in that new member ritual and welcome. That we are connected. So, uh, i got a little secret for you here. Can I tell you a little secret? Stop recording this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's the little secret I'm going to tell you. I kind of love the Trinity. <gasps> I kind of love the Not as metaphysics, not as the only way to understand God, but as metaphor and poetry. There's different ways to understand the energy of the divine. God, the creative force. Notice I didn't say God the Father. I left that image if I ever had it a long time ago. But God, that creative energy, you know, honestly, I have so little need to define that anymore. I can just let that rest. Because if something is supposed to be everything and then we make that everything into something, then it's no longer everything. You get that? Maybe I'll try it sometime. So I can let the identity of God rest. Jesus. I love Jesus. I just don't think Jesus is the only key that unlocks the door of existence. Ah, but the Holy Spirit. Spiritus. The breath the indwelling presence of the divine around us, within us, within me, within you, within all of us. Folks, i, I got to come out here and tell you, I mean, I could define myself in so many different ways spiritually. Many of you have been around for a while know that I draw a lot from Buddhism. It has healed my heart and it has healed my body. I draw a lot from the 12 steps, from a Jewish culture and a Jewish heritage. But i got to tell you the quickest way that I could kind of sum up my spiritual identity is this. I am a Holy Spirit Unitarian Universalist. I think actually many of us are. (laughs) That flowing, being here, quality of presence that is never an abstraction. We can only take one breath at a time and then we can take the next breath, which is why the Holy Spirit commands, and I use that word in quotes, but not really. Because if we're being true to the Holy Spirit to the spirit that is holy if that works better for you than maybe coming up against some conditioning of language that didn't work for you for all kinds of good reasons that make sense for your life the spirit that is holy asks us only one thing do not objectify me do not make me into something hard and fixed and final, and only one form. That's the reason I read that piece from Tanya Coates. That's the reason I started with that story from Access Hollywood because littered throughout all of our lives are the sense that unless our lives look one way or the other, unless our lives conform to some image, then somehow we think we cannot be renewed. And the truth is that is a tragedy for so many of us. Our capacity to be renewed in this life really comes down to: Are we open? Are we understanding that as much as our identities and the form of our identities right now matters, it is, to quote the wonderful musical Avenue Q, only for now. Everything in life is only for now. This form, this breath, for now. We heard it in the mindfulness group I lead this past week. We did, like, the most simple mindfulness practice in the world. Just stop for five minutes and listen to what's going on around you. Just stop and listen for five minutes. And it is amazing what happens. I find this over and over again. We just stop and listen for five minutes. Like, talking is the pressure. (laughs) Talking is the thing that many of us are, like, preparing our rebuttals and finding we have to say the exact right thing, and, oh, my God, we're going to be misunderstood. But if we just stop and listen for a moment... The world opens and we recognize that there is renewal there for us. We can be more awake, more aware. And so one of the things I am listening to and have been listening to is what's surrounding all this energy of this election. Three more days. And actually, I want to listen to you for, for just a moment. Just a moment. Just shout out one word. How are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? Just shout out a word. Yeah. I, one at a time. <laughs> yeah. Scared. Stressed. Stressed. Anxious. Anxious. Angry. Angry. Yeah. Embarrassed. Ooh, all right. So, you know what? Maybe we do need to detoxify, but not from being a Hollywood star <laughs> but simply from being a part of this culture right now. I will tell you that this is not a product of my ruminating brain, my ruminating mind, the worry that I have, because it's really not about me. I have deep worries and deep fears, and they're not about me. I am a white, cisgendered man who has never wanted for anything materially my entire life, I'm straight. My marriage has always been recognized by law. And I am worried. I am worried about the lives and the bodies of the women I know and the women I don't know. I am worried about what will become of the homes and the marriages of the LGBTQ people I know and those I don't know. I am worried about those Whose skin is darker than my own? I am worried about those who express their prayer life and their spirituality in ways that mark them as different from the way I do. The problem, right, does not lie with the difference that people are different from each other. The problem lies in how we construct those differences and make other people a threat. There is, because of great fear and great anxiety and great change, tremendous cruelty in this land right now. And cruelty that is expressed against bodies that look different than my own. And so this week, I've been going to that yoga mat a lot. (laughs) I've been sitting a lot. I've been acquainting myself with the Holy Spirit a lot. And this is one of the ways that I found that opening before me this week. The this piece of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night of the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down. Where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water. And I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world. And am free. This perhaps, these words perhaps, are an invitation, one of the best invitations to renewal that I know. That heron and that still water and those day blind stars and the stars that shine at night, they are always here with us every single moment. And in the presence of real power in this country that would wish to deny the full humanity. Of all of us, I find that I must turn again and again and again to move beyond my own privilege and to cultivate a way of being so that I am making space for all of us to rest in the grace of the world. Because re-engagement and renewal in this life It so often comes up just like the Christian scriptures were saying, that Holy Spirit comes up through love. A wider, larger love that invites all of us in. This is our universalist heritage that I am trusting big time right now, regardless of what happens on Tuesday. Because regardless of what happens on Tuesday, there will still be cruelty and there will still be fear. And to invite all of us to move beyond our anger and into those places where the holy, sometimes hidden wildness is for us. Release our wild souls. That can be our prayer. Release us to the wildness of our lives. Release us to the wildness of who we are, of who we really are, to each other. Because then if we can do that, we can recognize that the security we take in marginalizing and oppressing and fearing is always a lie. And we'll just make more suffering. The truth is this life is never fixed. The truth is this life is never final. This life is always flowing. This life is always moving. And so today, may we, and tomorrow, may we, and on Tuesday, may we, and all the days that come after that, may we remember to show up with our bodies. Remember to show up with our hearts. Allowing love, allowing justice, Allowing peace to flow through all of us. These are ever-plenishing, replenishing, always renewed. May our lives connect. Amen. May you live in blessing. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, as present right now with us, as any other time or any other place, because this breath is this breath. May we recognize that because of our own ruminating minds, we are stuck. May we remember that because of the fear and anger around us, we can get stuck. And so may we recall this presence, that life was born with movement. Life was born with delivering The very first life echoes our lives. And from this we can give birth to all of the life that comes. May we remember to live in such a way that our hands, our hearts, our bodies take on the shape of the love that we rest our souls in. Amen.